0: Welcome to Rugged Theology, where we talk church planting, theology, and drink coffee. And welcome back to Rugged Theology. I am Adam Diamond, your host, and today we have an episode uh, a little bit more on theology. We are going to be taking a look at 1 Corinthians, and our takeaway from it, we are reading through it as a church for with Calvary Baptist, but also through Malwa Mission and her church plants. So that's what we will be doing today. And I have some special guests with me who, I mean, you're not just going to hear me talk all day about 1 Corinthians, um, but we have Jasmine.
1: Hi, everybody. Well, thanks for having me back. <laughs> Clearly didn't screw up last time, so... Well, we're
2: we're full of grace here. That's that's part oh, of okay. it.
1: Okay, very good. It's yeah. good to know.
2: <laughs> You're still on like parole,
1: right? Yeah. Okay. Hopefully, yeah. I will redeem myself. You need to be like podcast. within like
2: five it's been episodes. a it's been a long time since they've asked me back too. So you know, mm-hmm. so Just to everyone, let you know, everyone's we're in the, in the, the same doctors. boat here, Steve. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And we have Curtis Rogers. Hello. <laughs> 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 what was that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Whatever, boss. Just move on. <laughs> that's, all, that's all. that tea you drink.
3: Yeah, I like
1: tea. <laughs> <laughs> There's not enough coffee in your system to make you a decent human being. No,
3: but oh. you don't need to drink coffee. You just drink tea. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure <laughs> we tea believe is fine. Jesus Thank you.
2: Perfects people, not caffeine. Just as just
3: Gandalf like, would say, just tea is fine. Thank you.
1: I'm gonna go with what Steve <laughs> said about Jesus. I think that's more on track with
0: your your Jesus tanks are empty, Curtis.
2: Could be could be.
0: And we have Steve Da. Hey all right, everyone. so we are working our way through uh First Corinthians and we're a different chapter, so I'm not gonna do the whole you know comparative righteous thing where we see how
2: far we are each month. Uh, we do that enough of staff, meeting. it's a good laugh. Well, I'm guessing that some of us have probably read First Corinthians a couple of times before this. I, so. I would hope you have. Yes. Uh. <laughs> Curtis? Curtis isn't
0: sure. Okay, he's trying to figure it out. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, so You just mean, like, in general, like,
3: in, in my life? Yes. yes. In general, okay. in in your yeah. Life. yeah, I've, I've read, read it lots of times. <laughs> okay, this there month. We go. Have I read the full thing? No, I've read up to chapter 8 because we're on June 8th.
1: Uh, We read one a day. Yeah. All
0: right. You're getting so defensive, bro. I didn't realize what you're getting at there. All right. So, when you, well, we can go chapter by chapter, or uh, if there's anything that stood out to you so far that's really hit you through the first eight chapters, or if you read more, what stood out to all of you about 1 Corinthians and what Paul is writing here?
2: I mean, the more general thing is the same thing that I've seen Paul do a great deal throughout the through his letters, and that's basically to th- reason from our understanding of who God is and what God has done through us in Jesus to for us in Jesus Christ, and then how that works out in our lives. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we say that you know doing a biblical understanding kind of thing is actually a theology thing because. Mm-hmm we learn about God and in learning about God, that's how we apply our understanding of what the universe is like through what God has revealed to him of himself and then live that way. Well, so that was, that that's kind of a general thing overarching in first Corinthians. Cause uh, if anybody's read first Corinthians, the Corinthian people are not the most model Christians you can imagine.
0: And that's what I find interesting about 1 Corinthians, is that he's writing to a church that has so many issues that we would hate to have. And, you know, we look at churches today, if it were like this, we'd be like, are they even Christians? Right. A lot of us would. Um, but yet, he still gives them a greeting in his letter when compared to Galatians.
2: Right, because in Galatians, he's he's really angry at them. And in 1 mm-hmm. Corinthians, he's he is kind of worried about them, but... He isn't saying, you guys aren't believers, which is you know something that seems to be the case in in Galatians.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, it shows how seriously Paul takes the Gospel, and the fact that the, the Galatians were adding to the Gospel, whereas here it was just a failure to really apply, and maybe even in some circumstances, understand the Gospel and its implications.
2: Right. Um, which, by the way, is the second very difficult thing I kind of noticed going through First Corinthians. And I'm only in chapter 8 again myself. But as I go through it, there are a lot of places where Paul takes some truth about who we are in Jesus Christ and in applying it to our lives. he, he I look at it, it's like, oh, I guess I should probably do that.
0: Curtis, Jasmine, anything to throw in?
3: There were a few things for me, um, points that stuck out, um, as often there are when you um, go back and. You know, uh, read a book of the Bible again, and there's different things that stand out at different times. Um, one thing that stood out for me that's that's mentioned, um, you know, you see it in chapter one, you see it in chapter three, um, the concept of divisions in the church, yeah. um, which, you know, obviously is, is very pertinent. You know, there's lots of divisions in the church nowadays over all sorts of, um, all sorts of things and
0: disagreements about... Um, well, let's be honest, I mean, you could have liberals, you have conservatives, um, the vaccine was a big one. Yeah, you know, that was right? a big I mean, one. Those are real issues. That people know, even have. the idea of Christian
3: nationalism, mm-hmm. you know, that's a big one. Um, and, and But there's there's like two extremes here, because Paul says in, in, in verse 10 in chapter 1, "...I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment." And so uh, sometimes when when we think of unity, you know, um, what's happened in church history uh, in in the past and in various uh, cases is is that people like the idea of unity simply for the sake of unity. Um, But if you water down the gospel enough, it gets to the point where it's like, well, what are we even united around? Um, so obviously, we need to have a core set of beliefs in which we are united around. Um, and so, there's one extreme in which you basically just you say we're all we all agree this, about the same thing, but you basically don't believe anything substantive about the Bible, and so that's basically useless. But then there's the other extreme in which you know we fight in bigger about um, very tertiary issues, uh, minor issues in the grand scheme of things. Um, and I find that you know a lot of us and i find this in myself as well can can lack charitableness towards other genuine christians mm. um and you you know, we see this um we you know, we see this often we uh e- even in church planting and stuff like that there's always like there's this eagerness sometimes to um to you know, play you know the devil's advocate, or to have to want to fight, especially in the age of social media and things like that. And so I think that's the opposite extreme, and that lacks charity. Um, so Paul's command here is that there be no divisions among you. Uh, that that's I don't think that's a call to a do away with all denominations. You know, we have our distinctives for a reason, mm-hmm. and we need to believe in in we in, in something. Um, but I do think there's there's a balance here, and 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 the idea of
0: church unity is is a a big theme. There's even like a thing between certain church leaders and teachers now, like prominent ones, like, oh, I follow MacArthur or Kevin the Young, or it's wild that we would divide ourselves by these things instead of looking for what we have in common, which is what Paul says in, in the beginning. And he even says, you know, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, right? <laughs> yeah. Because like, then none of you can claim that, you know, I did this for you. He's like, I I don't want to any part of that, you guys need to go back to the gospel that was preached to you.
2: And it does seem pretty important that Paul brings us back specifically to Jesus Christ over and over in chapter one as the central point of our unity. Um, missiologists, in a lot of cases, will talk about uh, where we have a boundary bound kind of church sometimes, where we imagine that we figure out the church based on whether or not you are within this boundary of beliefs and ideas. And, you know, uh, I don't know whether you have the same eschatology, or you believe about whether or not the end times are at the right time, or and you know uh, whether or not you believe that movies are evil, or whether you believe that you know uh, we should always be involved in politics, or whether she would we should never be involved in politics. But I would say that uh, the one I found most useful, and I think the most in keeping with what we see in First Corinthians chapter one, is the idea that we are center bound. We focus on who Jesus Christ is. And whether or not we actually have the same beliefs matters less than whether or not we are aimed at the same person, namely Jesus Christ. Because if we, if we are aimed at the same person, the Jesus Christ we see in Scripture, well, we're all going to be at different levels of that, and we're going to have different views on it. But ultimately, we can talk to each other because we have something that actually unifies us, namely Jesus Christ. Sorry, side note, but uh, growing
0: up, I was told that before, you know, Pentecostals—I mean, I know way back Pentecostals were against, like, dancing and obviously cigarettes and drinking and also theaters. Yeah. Because <laughs> you said when well, movies was bad, so my mind just went to this. But we also make the joke, because apparently it was said—again, this is just going off what I was told—that even if the Lord came back or the rapture happened— you wouldn't go back as you're in the theater, and I keep thinking of someone like floating up and like hitting the ceiling because they're rapture proof or something.
2: <laughs> well, you, you laugh a little bit at it, but I mean that's been a common thing in different groups of Christians for centuries. I mean, one of the problems that the early that groups like you know even Shakespeare's troupe would have had at his time is that certain groups of religious individuals would have seen, well, even seeing plays as watching lies. Mm. And of course, again, that's that's a difference of opinion about an understanding of what the implications of something is culturally. It's not a difference of opinion about who Jesus Christ is and reflecting Jesus Christ. And again, Paul is focusing on Jesus Christ is who gives us our unity, not these other things that you know are implications of it. And yes, true things and important things that we need to discuss, but not the main point.
0: Yeah. There's also like it kind of goes back to chapter eight, actually, today's chapter, about food and uh, the conscience of someone. Uh, let me bring it up there real quick. There we go. And, you know, you you need to be worried about the person with the lesser conscience, mm-hmm. right? So doesn't mean that the person is not necessarily wrong or, you know, that they're not wrong. You know, you can walk them through what more movies stand and all that, but... In the meantime, until, you know, if they get to the point where, okay, movies are okay and they're a true brother and sister in Christ, don't go watching movies with them or trying to drag them out to it if it's against their conscience. Right. That's a weaker brother. And we need to be care careful and to genuinely care about our brothers and sisters, not just try and beat them over the head. It's like, no, we, we are free to do this because some people just aren't at that point yet. Right.
1: Yeah, I think that um, something that's been standing out to me, and I'll, what I'm saying will apply back to what we're saying, um, but I'll get there. But something that's been standing out to me is just this constant theme of Paul reminding the Corinthian church to um, be selfless. Like, um, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you, right? Um, for, where was it? Um uh, at the end of chapter 6, you are not your own. If you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. There's just been this like constant theme of him exhorting Christians to be selfless and consider others more than yourself. Um, and that glorifies God. Like As you talk about Christian unity, one of the one of the things that still plays over in my head a lot is, as some of you may know from me on here, like I'm not originally from Newfoundland, um, and I moved here for university, but I genuinely believe that if it were not for the gospel and for Christ, I wouldn't know any of these guys in this room. Hmm. Very likely there would have been nothing we had in common, we wouldn't have interacted, and if we did Probably wouldn't have gotten to know you, um, but like as Curtis talked about, like the idea of trying to unify people around just a common sense. Like, it, it, it at some point it becomes empty. When, you, but the beauty of the unity that we find in the church is that all these people, like Steve was saying, with all these different beliefs and different right. political understandings, different views of, um, like different areas in our journey as we seek to follow Christ. But if we are centered on who God is and who Christ is, and we are all seeking to understand him and know him more and be in deeper relationship with him, we can come together because even a few years ago, even a couple months ago, even every day today, you, us four, we're not on the same page about a lot of different things.
2: Well, and even uh, we, the other way we would do it is through life differences. And I mean, one of the things that kind of struck me as heavy while I was going through it is 1 Corinthians 7 and a great deal about, you know, uh, being unmarried. Mm. And of course, uh, among this group, I am the oldest person in this group. And I am also the one with, you know, no, I, I have never been married. I am not dating anyone. I am not likely to be married. And so there is actually a a difference between us that is actually reconciled by the gospel, but it does affect the way that we live, because I'm in a different context than others, but the the context is less important than the Christ who we follow in the midst of our contexts.
0: First Corinthians makes a big deal of Jesus.
2: (laughs) It does. It, It really does. One thing
0: I couldn't get over for the first you know, of those eight chapters at least um, going up today was just the reverence and respect and and awe of Christ and what he's done for us and that that's why you live this life again it's not just because it's a good thing to do or to earn grace from God or to earn his favor it's because like you said Jasmine at the end of chapter 6 we have been bought with a price mm-hmm. right we are no longer our own that Christ himself, God incarnate in flesh, died in our place, and then we get all the benefits of that. He takes all the punishment, we get all the benefits, and if we think so great of Jesus, then we should want to live a holy life for him in partnership and walking with the Holy Spirit.
2: And of course, the interesting part is that it's not a hypothetical working out into our actions, it's actually a fact that affects the way we live our lives hypothetically. The actual truth is not Jesus Christ and our unity with Christ, that's the fact. Our unity with Christ is through faith, not by our works, not by the fact that we are have figured it all out, but based on the fact that Jesus Christ has died for us and we trust in that. And then after that, it works its way out. So I don't get closer to Christ by being, uh, I don't get more acceptable to Christ by being a better, a better Christian. I become a better Christian because I'm accepted by Christ. So, yeah. Amen to that.
0: Something else that to out to me um, was 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, starting in verse 5. So this is still dealing with divisions here. And Paul says, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you, you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor, for we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. And being in, you know, we'll say the church plant business, not really a business, but in in that field of ministry, this is so assuring and so important for us to understand. Like if I were to go downtown and we know it's a hard spot. Yeah. If I go down, and I'm there for seven years and we're toiling and we're not giving up and we're f- being faithful to the Lord, but we see very few or maybe no results at all, that doesn't necessarily make me a failure because that could be tilling the ground. That could be God's will. I mean, at that point, it probably is God's will. And someone could come in behind me and see much more success. We could just be there to sow seeds and someone could go behind me and that doesn't diminish who I am in Christ, that d- doesn't diminish how God looks on me, It's that I, am, I could be called to plant, and someone else could come behind me and water and
2: bear the fruit of that. But nor does it give us the ability to be lazy about it. No. Simply, you know, say, oh, well, I'm just going to exist in the area and let God do these things. Because, I mean, even the text that you were reading continues, uh, uh, continues on, uh, according to the grace of God has given me, like a skilled master builder. I laid a foundation, but someone else builds on it, and each one must be careful how he builds, for no one can lay on any foundation other than one which is being laid, which is Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so there is, uh, and and, I mean, it goes on with, you know, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each builder's work will be plainly seen, for the day will make it clear. I mean, there... And it is interesting that he doesn't actually say that. You know, your the 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 effects in the immediate will will make it clear. He says that the day will make it clear, and I think he's referring to the day when all things are are shown. Mm. We may find that some of the people that we have put down as uh, great uh, great failures in the in the ministry have actually been the greatest successes. We'll see God gaining great glory from them, and some of us who some who have been the greatest. Success, quote unquote, successes are not going to turn out to have been successes because it won't stand the day.
1: Hmm. Well, I think some of that relates back to like the end of chapter one, right? Um, Where if your motivation for serving God is that it will make you a more moral person or you'll feel like you did something great. Um, where it's building up you, um, or because then now when you measure your success, you're measuring it based on a, spec- you, a specific way you've made in your mind, like right. a set result. And if you don't get that, oh, then I, like, I messed up, it's all on me. But God says in one twenty six, like, for consider your calling, brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful, not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Um, God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Because like it um, says later on, right, like like you guys were talking about, it's to glorify God. Amen. That is the end. That is the success. Yeah. If it brings God glory, that is the success. And He's going to use your weakness. He's going to use your... Um, pitiful attempts, because actually that demonstrates that it's not me, and I'm so wise and I'm so smart that I can read the Bible. No, it's God's Spirit at work making His Word come alive.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, and that even plays into even earlier on in chapter one, where where He says, "For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God." And He goes on to talk about how. Um, Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, and folly to Gentiles, and this whole concept of, you know, the Jews wanted to see something powerful, and they demand a sign, and, and, and the Greeks uh, were, were obsessed with wisdom and philosophy and things like this, and, you know, just like Jasmine read out, choosing uh, the weak to shame the raw, the, or the foolish to, to shame the wise, um, that says the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So the world looks on and says, "This is not powerful, and this is not wise." It says the foolishness of God, right? which is almost a not even a, a real thing, but but the kind of hyperbolic language that I guess Paul is trying to use here. Even if even that would would be wiser than men, mm. wiser than the Greeks, mm. and the weakness of God, which again, God has no weakness, but he, he emphasizes it here is stronger than men. So the world looks on and says, that you're not powerful, you're not wise, but but through the cross of Christ, and not according to the world's standards and measurements, but in our identity in Christ, right, that's where we find our value. Typically when
0: you follow God, you're you're kind of put to shame or <laughs> face some sort of humiliation, or you, you, you find yourself humbled. Um, because when we look at it, like you said, Curtis, like those things aren't actually in God, but from a worldly perspective, it's foolishness to believe. Like, so this is your God hung on the cross, bloody and dying. Like you want you want this strong God to look at, um, and that's a stumbling block because it's like, what do you mean God became human? Like it's it's so foreign, and so the world would say that God has it. But you're right, Curtis. Like that's not actually in God. We might perceive that way, but God said, no, let me show you how this is actually done. And it's just, it's just such a reminder that our way often is not the good way or the right way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that God is going to do things his way. And that's the best way. Um, and there's also the fact that even if you were to believe that you could, even if you do believe, sorry, that you, you produce your own faith say you're not a Calvinist, which is, which is fine. Um, and you produce your own faith. <laughs> I did not mean that any way condescending or anything. <laughs> but let's say you produce your own faith. Even what Paul is saying here, you still can't boast about that. Like, you, like, it's Paul specifically writes, God chose, so this is chapter 1, verse 28. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus. And this is Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So as it is written, that no one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. Like, there's nothing you can go to God and ever stand and be like, look what I did. Look what I accomplished. Or you know what? I put my faith. Like, no, (laughs) that's not how that works. Because even if you do come up with some small form of faith, well, what is faith? You're believing in something that you don't see. It's, it's very small to produce. And it's you stand before a God who gives you salvation, who gives you sanctification, who gives you righteousness. None of us can boast in the face of God. And I think that's, that, yeah. that's such a strong thing for Christians to hold on to in the world that we find ourselves in when so, there's so many other things that we can boast in. But all we, listen, we have a savior who died for us and that's, that's what I'm hanging on to.
2: Yeah, and I think it's important that we actually do focus on Jesus as our only boast, because otherwise we are going to be lost in making sure that you know we meet all of these other standards and we're going to either be self-righteous when we imagine we've met them or despairing when we imagine we haven't. When in, in fact, I'm not the person that we're, you should be looking at, Jesus is the person you should be looking at. And ultimately all things work because we, he has the glory, and we have been saved as examples of his greater glory. He uses the foolish things uh, to shame the wise, and a few fool- more foolish than us, or well, I'll speak for myself, than me. <laughs> um, so we're coming up
0: pretty close to the end. Is there anything else that stuck out to you in First Corinthians that we haven't brought up, to y- up yet?
2: I'm pretty sure there's tons. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, it is hard. I mean, we, we've kind of jumped back and forth between a few chapters, so that's fine. Um, but if uh, there's anything you want to bring up now, speak now, or forever hold your peace. All right. So if, if you're here, um, it, sorry, if you're listening, I hope you enjoyed this. And I encourage you, especially if you're from Calvary or any of our model mission churches, to realign with us in First Corinthians. We're just doing a chapter day. You can do more than that. These Most of these chapters are short. It's just make it a habit to get in God's Word every day, Um, not just so you can check a box, but so that you can be in communication and in relationship with your Lord and Savior, with the God of the universe, who gave you this Word to speak into your life and to all of our lives, to guide us and to lead us and to to just show the world the hope that He has given us. Um, Yeah, so in a couple weeks, we'll have another episode. See you then. You've been listening to Rugged Theology. Rugged Theology is brought to you by Mile One Mission. If you want to know more about Mile One Mission and our work in Newfoundland and Labrador, visit www.mileonemission.ca.